I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I go. That's some bad hat, Andrew. It's a good show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a good one. From your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damascus Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Book of Boba Fett. Season one. Welcome back, Damask. Welcome back, everybody. This is the first official review episode of 2022. We missed you last week uh, when we had Paul guest on the show. Thank you again, Paul Mitzi, the Swapcast podcast. What a dream. To do an opening off-topic, hot topic uh, of the year. How have you been? What's been going on? Good. So I've just been working at at the new job. So just working Mm. heaps. I've been pretty busy. Um. You know, spending my free time watching Real Housewives and Australian Survivor. So it's, it's been a productive time. <laughs> um, that's one thing we should talk about off the top as well. If we've got any bookkeeping to do today, it's simply that the moment with Damascus' new job in particular, things are a little bit um, tumultuous. Trying to figure out how we're going to balance the schedule, what day we're going to record, when mm-hmm. we're going to release episodes, if we're going to have a review weekly, as we've been trying to do for the most part for the last five years, how long we've we been doing the podcast for now. Um, so currently the plan is that we will have a review episode next week, mm-hmm. but who knows? Things might change. It might be 10 days. It might be two weeks. There might be a two-week gap, gap after that. We'll see. We'll do our best to make it work. We'll do our best to communicate what's mm-hmm. going on, probably via Twitter more than anything. Um, but if it's a little bit, you know, patchy, if you're wondering where that next episode is, it's coming. It's just yeah. it might take a little bit longer than we're hoping. It'll probably be re- released either weekly or fortnightly. So. More than likely, yeah. yeah. And well, I think that at least I think the plan is to have two reviews a month and an off-topic hot topic. So yeah. you might not get that three or four a month that we've been getting to sometimes, but there'll be stuff. There'll be stuff. Um, and I got to say, looking ahead at our schedule, we've got planned. There's a lot of good stuff, or at least mm-hmm. stuff that's going to be fun to discuss on the podcast yes. coming up. There <laughs> yeah, is a lot. Maybe call all of it good. Okay, cool. Um, particularly the next one. That's- That'll be coming. That will be an interesting conversation. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right. Without any further ado, let's get to our spoiler-free review of The Book of Boba Fett, Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Book of Boba Fett is the second Disney Plus live-action Star Wars series and spin-off of the extremely popular The Mandalorian. Created by Jon Favreau and produced by Dave Filoni and Robert Rodriguez, who directed Boba Fett's reintroduction to Star Wars in a Mandalorian Season 2 episode, the series comes after multiple attempts to make a Boba Fett standalone film that never eventuated. Season 1 of The Book of Boba Fett stars Tamoira Morrison, Ming-Na Wen, Matt Berry, Jennifer Beals and Danny Trejo, with a few 
few other names that are best left as surprises and consist of seven episodes, each coming in at around 48 minutes, taking us approximately five hours and 40 minutes to watch. At the time of recording, there has been no word on if The Book of Boba Fett will return for a second season, but there are plenty of other Star Wars live-action shows on the way if it was not to return. So, Damas, before we get to our review, our spoiler-free reviews of The Book of Boba Fett Mm -hmm. Season 1, just want your general thoughts, remind the listeners how you feel about Star Wars. Are you a Star Wars fan? How have you felt about the Star Wars TV shows, both the animated stuff and obviously The Mandalorian? And just to add like a third question on top of this, what do you think of the character of Boba Fett in particular leading awesome. into this series? I, I love that you asked me this question because that's literally the first paragraph of my spoiler <laughs> review. So I, I can just read from that. Well, we can, I can, uh, we can just leave it if you like. We can, you can get to that when you do your review. I'm happy with that. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll... I'll I'll let the listeners wait for that amazing journey I'll take them through. Okay, um, sure. But I will say that I have watched everything except for I didn't watch the solo, the Han Solo movie. Sure. Um, and I watched a bit of Clone Wars, mm-hmm. but not enough to really attach myself to it. Right. Uh, generally, a very big Star Wars fan. Um, don't think it's all good. think some of it is absolutely terrible. <laughs> but the highs are very high. Um, the Star Wars TV shows, yeah, mostly I've been really invested in The Mandalorian. Mandalorian Season 1, Season mm. 2. We've reviewed both of those seasons. Loved Season 1. Really enjoyed Season 2. Had some issues with it, particularly with how it ended. If you want to relive that wild discussion we have, go back to that <laughs> review. Um, that was wild. That was. The Clone Wars, I've seen bits and pieces of that, bits and pieces of Rebels. I've not mm. watched any of the Bad Batch yet. I'm excited about some of the stuff that's coming up. Um, I feel like what I'm going to have to do is as they, because it feels like, just to get a little ahead of myself, they're introducing characters into this series, into these mm. live action series that come from these animated shows. Yeah. And I'm hoping, and it's probably already there, that... The Disney Plus is curating like these are the episodes, the Clone Wars you need to watch to find out who this character is and understand their backstory and stuff. And if I can find some like, because I don't think I'm going to watch the whole thing now. I've said it before, I'd try, but really I don't have time. I have tried, but it was so disjointed at the very beginning. I was like, this is, I can't follow this. Totally. So I know there are like guides out there, that, especially with the Clone Wars, which... It's all over the timeline. Oh, even tells with the you guides, what- my, my friend. It's just like, wait, what? Sure. Yeah. So it would be nice to be, yeah, go, okay, cool. This is how I can catch up on what everybody knows about these characters at this point. So I don't feel so behind. I'm sure that'll happen. As for the character of Boba Fett, yeah, I think like everybody who was familiar with Boba Fett from the original Star Wars trilogy, he was cool. He would look cool. He had a cool helmet, had cool shit. He had a rock, he had a rocket pack and he had a flamethrower and he had a, a, you know, stuff. It was cool. I, I will say this about the character of Boba Fett um, pre-Book of. I, like, I didn't get it. I didn't understand why there was such a fascination around him. I don't think his, like, outfit is that cool. Yeah, he's okay. got a jetpack. But, like, Star Wars is full of cool shit. And he just... It, I, I, it was... It went over my head. I'll say sure, that much. Sure, sure, sure. And I think that's fair as well because beyond the arguable definition of looking cool, he didn't <laughs> have a lot of other stuff going on. And he kind of goes out like a complete sucker in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then they've tried to like make him more important by folding him back into the clo- like the Attack of the Clones and how mm-hmm. he is a clone of Jango Fett and all the clones are, you know, essentially the same DNA line as him and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, nothing's ever really made him a compelling character. 
And that was the big question for me, I think, going to this. Mm. is like, okay, this is a Boba Fett show. It's a focused story about him. Let's see what you can do with him. Can you actually justify this yes. guy's notoriety um, beyond the helmet, essentially? Yeah, for someone like me who didn't get it, mm. I was like, okay, well, n- this is the time when I'm going to get it. Like, this is the opportunity I'm going to get. I'm going to an understanding of what mm-hmm. everyone else is holding on to, perhaps, particularly those who have, like, watched The Clone Wars, read a bunch of the books, know all the backstory, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, Damask, would you like to give us your spoiler-free review of The Book of Boba Fett Season 1? Broad, you know I would. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, first things first, I'm not a Boba Fett fan, as I just <laughs> mentioned. I don't even consider myself a Star Wars fan really anymore. Mm. Um, I loved and continue to enjoy the original trilogy. Princess Leia is special to me, and I'm still super sad that Carrie Fisher is no longer with us. I'll always hold that sadness within me, I think. Mm. Uh, episode one impressed me as a kid um, because you pod epi- racing. Oh, episode I, one. Yeah, because pod racing seemed cool. And I wanted to be recruited as a Padawan. Um, episode two and three was so confusing to my child brain. I just couldn't follow it at all. And as an adult, those three films are so littered with uninteresting characters. I can barely sit through them. Uh, as for the latest films, I thought A Force Awakens was a cool reset. The Last Jedi wasn't my jam. And I really, really, really hated The Rise of Skywalker. Mm, so that's where I was in terms of the films. Um I loved The Mandalorian, though. I fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy to explore you know, the far-off galaxy with some fresh faces, learn more about the fascinating Mandalorian culture, which I knew nothing of previously, and Baby Yoda, as we all know, was goddamn delightful, and my face hurt from smiling. So, you know, at that point I was like, oh, maybe I can like get into Star Wars again because, yeah, the films had lost me at that point. Uh, so I was getting ready to se- getting ready to settle in to the epic adventure of Boba Fett. Um, I knew the character was iconic, as we discussed, um, because and I knew that because people said he was. <laughs> That's all I knew is that people said that he was iconic. I was like, I okay, sure, I'll believe you. <laughs> um, and so you know, I was excited to find out why. And sadly, I'm still waiting to find out. (laughs) Uh, The character himself is, in one word, boring, and in two words, exhaustingly boring. (laughs) He is an extremely stoic character, and I am not opposed to that. I think Din Djarin is too, um, but I came to love him and his deep love for those he is loyal to. That was something I could connect with. Something about Din Djarin as well, though, is he's actually kind of a massive dork. It's like he's yeah, stoic, he but he has these really dorky moments that make him much more, much easier to be attached to, I think, or affectionate for. Because yeah. you 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 feel that like, oh, he's he's kind of, he's cool on the exterior, he does cool yeah. stuff, but these are these things that are kind of uncool at times as well. well. He's like you know the Amish kid who's like come out to live in the real world, and everyone's totally. like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, which is fun to watch. So. That character, um, Din, oh, Din, I always want to call him Jin, Jin Jaren. Jin, not- Jin Darren. <laughs> Din- Just call him Darren. Yeah. So, Dar- the character of Darren, <laughs> uh, Dazza, Dazza, was 
helped by his adorable little buddy Grogu and the mm-hmm. myriad of friends that often made fun of his, you know, his sincerity and commitment to the way. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is an unfortunate misstep in the book of Boba Fett is that his sidekick is also a very stoic character, which doesn't leave much room for flavor in the show. Boba Fett is determined to clean up his town. Oh, and that town. You know, sadly, it feels like it's about three streets and inhabited by about five people. Um, And I think that's highlighted in the climax of the film, which falls flat for me. It does this thing also where it's like they will do a wide shot of Mos Espa and you're like, this thing's fucking huge. But then when you actually spend time at street level, you're 100% right. It feels like a backlot set. Um, yes. And they all everything looks the same. It's got no sense of geography or place about it whatsoever. Yes. To like, it's actually crazy to me that that's like set inside a crater. And I never get that sense ever when they're mm-hmm. doing street level stuff. They're like surrounded by cliffs, which they should no. be, right? It's just never there. No, like, oh, what's what's it called? Moss Espa? Is that what it's called? Mo- Moss Espa. This I believe. Moss Espa, yes. Yeah. Look, Moss Espa. I don't care about you or any of the people in you. Um. And sadly, because of that, I also don't care about Bubba Fett and what he's trying to do. He has no personality and Tatooine in that place is just as dull. You know, when The Phantom Menace came out, you know, I was 10. I liked the depiction of Tatooine. I thought, you know, and I was a little kid. So I was like, oh, Anakin's house looked cool. I, you know, I would play make-believe and pretend I lived in one of those clay hut things and tinker with droids. I pretended to drive pod races and obviously there was the tragic story of his enslaved mum, which broke my heart as a little kid. But as an as an adult, this sandy rock, which we keep coming back to, it's just filled with silly characters that I'm not given an opportunity to get to know in this show. There's one character in particular that we got to know from Tatooine um, that we see again in this show that I personally love, really love that addition always brings me joy. Um, But the people we meet in Boba Fett, you know, I know their job titles. I know how they feel maybe about certain gangs or bureaucrats, but I have no idea about anything personal. Like what is a day like in Tatooine? You know, where do they sleep at night? What does it feel like to live in an oppressive and corrupt state constantly in flux from power vacuums? I don't know. And that frustrates me. You know, there are a few episodes where we get to leave Tatooine and for me that was exciting. We hang out with some other characters that are familiar to those who've watched The Mandalorian and it highlighted for me how much more engaged I was with that story and not the one that I was watching with Boba Fett. The characters are infused in The Mandalorian with purpose that I can understand and am invested in. The book of Boba Fett never took the time to get me a newcomer to the character invested in why he does what he does or thinks the way he thinks. It was bizarre to me. I was like, "Here's this is the opportunity where I'm going to get to know this character. I still have no idea who this character is. There are some flashbacks to his time directly before the present timeline. There's a couple of time things happening in the show. Um, Anyway, and when we do the flashbacks, we spend it in a culture that is humanized, real, and ultimately tragic. And for me, that was some of the best stuff happening in the series. Look, as a viewer who just want to enjoy a story and not need to read or watch a library's worth of backstory and lore, 
I didn't understand why this character had held people's attention for so long. Still don't at all. The highlights of this show were the characters we saw returning from The Mandalorian. I was deeply disappointed with this. I got to tell you, Damascus, there is no secret. I, I stand by it. I know you don't <laughs> understand this, but there is no secret backstory to Boba Fett or secret series of expanded universe novels that are the reason that people like him. Mm. He fucking is a cool action figure. That's why. He was designed to be a fucking action figure. He was a cool action figure. Yeah. Like, that. that, that is it. That's held people's attention forever because of that. Um, I agree with virtually everything you said. Uh, this is a weird mixed bag of a series, but ultimately, yes, disappointed is a great word for it. In some ways, I got more than what I was expecting from a series that was called The Book of Boba Fett. In other ways, those things that I got, while highlights, meant that this Boba Fett story was overall pretty weak. Uh, In a sense, there are three major story threads here. There's the how of Boba Fett getting from where he saw him falling into the Sarlacc pit in 1983's Return of the Jedi to where we found him when he entered the Mandalorian in Season 2. Then there's... What Boba is doing now as the new daimyo, a word I'd never really heard of, I must say, of Mos Espa, taking over from Bib Fortuna, which we saw in the post credit scene of Mandalorian Season 2, who took over from Jabba the Hutt as the new crime lord of Tatooine. And then there's also a third parallel storyline that is way too spoilery to talk about uh, before we get to our spoiler talk. So we're barely even going to mention that. This first storyline, the how of Boba got from the Salak Pit to current day, is overall fairly solid, I thought. The best aspect of what and what makes up most of the first three episodes involves Boba living with and learning from a tribe of Tusken Raiders. And as you said, what was also compelling about that is these were characters, barely even characters, they were uh, almost like a separate species or something like that, like a Star Wars uh, icon from the very first Star mm. Wars film, and you hope that had always kind of been a racist stereotype and never Mm. got fully explored, even in future movies that were sort of like that. The Mandalorian, I think it was season one, was the first time. Yeah. And I loved what they did in The Mandalorian with them as well. They Mm. did little things to sort of like make you realise these are human beings or at least, you know, intellectual people who never see their face because of how they do their coverings and stuff like that and had a language and a culture and they weren't just scary monsters in the desert. Yeah. And this goes a whole step further than that, a massive step in it to 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 really give them um, a lived reality that you go, oh, I understand these people a lot more now. And that's fantastic. And I even like the way that Boba, who is a pretty stoic guy, and when communication is difficult, but, you know, there's different cultures and stuff like that, actually works pretty well. You know, it's very physical and... Uh, warrior orientated, which suits Boba to the ground, and you know it's using sign language and stuff like that. I actually really like that stuff for mm-hmm. the most part. Didn't always hit, but mostly it did. The second storyline, the current day crime boss bit, is absolutely and completely ill conceived. <laughs> On one level, it's just kind of boring. It's so boring. It doesn't have any complexity to it whatsoever, and it could if they gave a shit to give us that. Mm. We're just told that things are bad this way. They're better this other way, and well, we just have to believe that, it. Well, I couldn't understand that because I'm like, well, he's just another like crime boss. But like, I couldn't understand why he was because he was leading with respect, right? Apparently, of course, of course. yeah, yeah. But again, this is all just 
a, a show that doesn't always have a lot of dialogue. These are very broad platitudes that mm-hmm. don't really get explored in any complex or compelling sense. On paper, I see why the idea is kind of appealing. What if Boba Fett stopped being a gun for hire and started being the guy who hired the guns? Sure. But it does virtually nothing with that idea. Nothing compelling, nothing compelling anyway. I think it thinks it's doing stuff in very broad terms, but it's so ham-fisted and basic as to virtually be non-existent. It just it is so inert as to have no presence, except to bore me when we're spending time at Mos Espa in the present day. The third story, well, yeah, where the, where the story is up to, I should say. Present day is a weird thing to say in Star Wars when it we've is. got movies it's that are so set in the future, but whatever. <laughs> the third storyline was by far the part of the show that had my attention and my favour the most, but also should absolutely not be part of a show called The Book of Boba Fett. (laughs) Again, we'll talk more about this in spoilers. And in many ways, I'll be probably pretty enthusiastic about those aspects of the show. It's going to be interesting to talk about. I think we've got lots of things to refer back to that we've discussed in previous podcasts Mm. talking about Star Wars stuff. But merely by being here and taking up screen time that could have been used to make a better Boba Fett show, it is an overall detriment. Visually, the show looks... Fine, I guess, except that it's boring and it's on Tatooine. Can we please, for the love of God, spend some time away from fucking Tatooine already? <laughs> Why do we keep coming back to this fucking dust bowl? Um, it looks yeah, it's like, like the- in every rise room, they're like, you know, where we should go. We should go back to that beige planet, please. <sighs> or even worse in the in the sequel trilogy, and this is how you knew that J.J. Abrams is the wrong person to be directing Star Wars. Let's just do a different desert planet for our new character, who's an analog of Luke. It's like fucking hell. Come up with original fucking idea. God damn, but the JJ doesn't do that. Anyway, it looks like the Mandalorian for the most part. And it sounds like it too. And the Mandalorian looks and sounds great. But that means that the Book of Boba Fett has no identity of its own. And that might be its biggest problem of all. Or maybe, I argue, the point from a certain point of view. For most of the last 40 or so years, Boba Fett's most notable feature was that he looked cool. Arguably. Mm -hmm. And... but had no particular defined character or personality or story. After bursting back onto the scene with all that Robert Rodriguez bombastic action in The Mandalorian, this spin-off- directed. Well, which we, we're the outlier there, but neither of us liked that episode anyway. So this is always doomed to fail for us anyway. (laughs) And and I've got to say, I don't think the action actually compares- I think the action, while I didn't like it, was more interesting in that episode of The Mandalorian than it was in any stage of this one, but I digress. This spin-off series of its own seemed to seemed like we might finally get Boba a th- uh, so Boba Fett a story worthy of his iconic status. In the end, not only was the book of Boba Fett a wasted opportunity opportunity, it just further ingrained the notion that he's not all that interesting beyond having cool armor. And like that's kind of funny and ironic in a weird way, but absolutely disappointing if you were hoping for anything better. It's mm. he just he 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 may have escaped the Sarlacc pit, but he can't escape being an absolute D-grade character. Um, Damask. Yes. Final score for the book of Boba Fett season one. Would you score it out of five stars? Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> so I mean, I guess, it's a mixed bag. It's weird, right? It's a yeah. weird one to review. And also, like, it's coming up against like expectations. Um, I think I'm just gonna have to give it like. A very boring, just like the show 2.5, sure. I guess. Like, 
it's nothing special, but I can see why someone might have a good time watching it, but I really didn't. I'm going to say this. I'm going to give it a three out of five, Mm. but massive caveat. Okay. Only two of those stars. If it was just the stuff that was Boba Fett focused, it would be two stars at best. Yeah. It's because of the stuff that I can't talk about that should not be here. There's actually a detriment to this story, but that I enjoyed more than the stuff that was Boba Fett related. Yeah. I'm going to take it up to three because you can't. It's a weird thing where you like you know it makes this show worse, but it's also part of the show, so I have to include it in how I review this show to some yeah. degree. So I'm giving it a, a almost a begrudging three. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, now before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And if you can also, even though Spotify is a piece of shit at the moment, you can also review us on Spotify. You actually have to listen to the episodes apparently to be able to do it. So if you don't Hmm. use Spotify, it may not work sadly. But five-star review on there would be really helpful as well. Uh, Also, to sweeten this deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts or and or included together, we're going to make it. Okay. On Spotify, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. Hmm. It's weird. It's weird thinking about that after reading that uh, Joss Whedon article uh, interview that came out recently. (laughs) And yet, that's part of the reason I want to review it. I want to re-explore that era and like our Mm -hmm. feelings about it back then as massive fans versus how we feel now. Maybe I just need to make a bunch of like burner accounts and get us (laughs) to twenty five so we can finally talk about it. All right, we'd also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, next week is the plan. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with our review and just like that, season one. This is the spin-off series of Sex in the City. Oh uh, boy, I've got thoughts, my friend. So hopefully, hopefully, I know Paul Mitzi of the Swapcast podcast, who was on last week with me, uh, is very enthusiastic to be on this episode as well. So hopefully we can organise that. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of and just like that, or if you have any thoughts on the book of Boba Fett, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for the book of Boba Fett, Season 1. Deep Dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. So we don't do the spoiler zone bit anymore. It seems redundant, but I am going to say this at the start. We'll definitely be talking about The Mandalorian Season 1 and 2. 
in yeah. the upcoming discussion for reasons that will become apparent very soon. So for some reason, you've watched The Book of Boba Fett but haven't watched The Mandalorian and were wondering, who the fuck are these characters in episode six and, uh, five and six who showed up and why isn't Boba anymore? Go back and watch that show first and then I come back I also think it just this. seems like an act of self-hatred to watch Boba Fett and then not watch The Mandalorian. Like, Do yourself a favour. Love, love yourself a little bit and watch The Mandalorian. Go watch a good Star Wars show and yeah. come back. Um, all right. First of all, I want to start... Maybe we won't start talking about all the Mando and Grogu stuff, okay. but I do want to say mm. what we we had a big discussion about season two about uh, Luke coming in at the end of the Mandalorian season two, flying in his X wing, saving Wasn't the day. Was it a discussion or were you yelling at me? Mostly yelling <laughs> you. Um, Deus Ex <laughs> Deus Ex Skywalker uh-huh. saving the day and sort of stealing the show in my for me. Yeah, stealing the show away from what should have been a moment that was more about how the Mandalorian, his crew got out of this like impossible situation. Mm-hmm. Mando did that to Boba Fett in Boba Fett's story. <laughs> this is becoming a habit where yeah. they just can't keep the people that we actually care about out of other people's shows, which gets in the way of being able to fucking, you know, focus on the people that are probably most important and let them have their own stories. Like, yeah, I did enjoy Luke's inclusion much more this time around than the first time. Boy, is this universe starting to get real small, like smaller by the second. Mm. I'm excited mm-hmm. for Mando Season 3 after watching this series, but I am overall very concerned for what Star Wars is doing going forward. If I'm just thinking this Ando, whatever his name is, show the guy from Rogue One and this Obi-Wan show, are they all going to fucking just start tying into each other like this? Yeah. Because that's going to get boring I think that is what, probably what's going to be happening. They're all connected, Brad, and you just either have to get on board or get off, I think. Just just give it space to like tell the, the story of the characters that are meant to be the yeah. the focus of those stories I, first. I, I agree with that. It should never be at the detriment of the characters that we are invested in if it's their story happening at that time. And while that didn't I didn't have that reaction to Luke showing up in Mando season two, like yes, if it keeps happening, um particularly in this show, it's certainly detrimental to the character of Boba Fett simply because if we're gonna take episodes away from him um, mm. The episodes we do get of him better be fucking good, and mm-hmm. spoilers, they weren't. It's it's also weird to me that this is a problem that seems to be occurring when Marvel's right there in the same, you know, massive conglomerate, doing it right. Like, I feel like people's movies and TV shows, for the most part, get to be their own standalone thing, mm. and the tie-ins are not so distracting, Right. Bigger characters don't tend to come in. Maybe you'll start to like seed smaller, newer characters in someone else's show, but they don't take the main focus. Like WandaVision, we got Monica Rambeau, and she was well utilized in telling Wanda's story and setting her up for like stuff with Ms. Marvel or Captain Marvel down the line. But she didn't like steal the show, if that makes sense. And and then if you look at the movies and how the movies are doing it, they keep the crossover stuff mostly either as background or side stuff that informs what's going on in the story or just for the event. concert. Yeah, yeah, the big events. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about this show. Yes. Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Did you come away, was there anything you came away with after all of this, after seven-ish hours, whatever it was, of watching this show, 
Was there anything that you found compelling or fascinating or interesting? Did you feel like you learned a goddamn thing? Um, hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yep. Okay. One thing, <laughs> one takeaway was um, I was glad Jennifer Beals was getting work other than the L word because that shit show doesn't deserve her. So, it was nice to see her in, in this. Did um, you hear that the... Next Generation, the L Word, get a renewal. It's getting a season three or whatever. Fucking atrocious. It's an absolute trash fire. And I honestly think kind of homophobic because it feels like it hates me when I watch it. (laughs) Fair Um, enough. (laughs) Such a bad show. Um, Other takeaways. I mean, well, it's funny because what I loved, I loved what they did with the Tusken Raiders. Mm -hmm. um, But then I also learned a lot of that stuff from... Mando as well. They did that as well. Um, anything unique to this show? Uh, oh, Amy Sedaris's character dated one of those adorable little... What are Jawas. they? Jawas? So Jawas. cute. Fucking loved that. Um, she's into Twi'leks or whatever they're called as well. They, uh, she's, you know... She's, are they the ones with the tails? Yeah, on the heads? tail heads. Yeah, she's yeah. flirting with the, the mayor's assistant guy or whatever at the end. Yeah, like that. Um, I just want to show about her character, to be honest with you. I think that would be great. If, if we have to stay on Tatooine, it better be focused on her is all I'm saying. Her <laughs> and her droids. Look, on no. no. The answer to, is no. No. They tried. The, 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 I think the, the suggestion there was that when he spent time with the Tuscans, he sort of like realized he didn't want to be a loner anymore. He was stronger mm-hmm. and better when he was part of a family of some sort. Oh, boy, I wish they'd invested in that family then in yeah. terms of, like, his new chosen family. This is what I mean. It's like, and he, it's almost like he's sensed the Tusken Raiders being a family and then thought, I'll make a capital F family and decide yeah. to be a mafia boss instead, which is a really weird choice, though. But I don't understand why <laughs> you made is. that connection. What uh, is hilarious, though, is he has chosen a family that really represents him, which is a bunch of people who are all character design and no <laughs> character. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I love, you know, the the evil looking Wookiee, great character cool. design. Looks Tell awesome, me more right? about him. Yeah. I personally Angry- hated the design of those like mod biker things. Everybody Fucking did. hated that. It's funny. I didn't, a lot of people were like, that's not Star Wars. And, Weirdly, it doesn't feel like Tatooine to me was the thing. Doesn't doesn't seem like Tatooine. That's definitely true. But mm. we're sitting here complaining about how Tatooine's a fucking dust bowl that looks the same. I was I I I didn't like it, but I was like, <laughs> at least there's a different fucking flavor in this to some degree. And I know the, it's weird it, the that the flavor got, should like, make sense though. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was the problem. And it, it doesn't make sense. And you wonder whose idea this was. Who mm. watched the bit in episode two where Obi Wan goes to Dexter's fifties cafe and went, I want more of that. In the Book of Boba Fett show, yeah. that 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 uh, crime boss show that we're making, I need that in there, please. Mm. Uh, weird, 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 weird choice. Um, yeah, but at least and then who else is helpful. who else is in the family? So we we've got the bikers, we've got the Wookiee, the, the pigmen. Firstly, I fucking love the pigmen. Uh, they were, <laughs> those two guys. I was fully invested in because I just loved them from Return the, of Jedi. Yeah, the original. Yeah. Um. Always love that design. I just want to like grab their bellies and just like also just have a hug from a pig man. It sounds like <laughs> a great time. Um, so I was when they fell off that cliff, I was pretty devo, pretty fucking devo. I was oh the the his creature thing when he first gets his pet. 
Oh, I'm sure the Star Wars fans listening to this be like, she doesn't even know any of the names. You're right, loser. I don't know any of the names and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you mean the Rancor, the thing that Luke fights in Return of the Jedi in the pit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. when they like opened the door, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Because that, you know, that stop motion creature just really stuck in my brain as a kid. Claymation well. like, Rancor is awesome. Yeah. That, uh, very cool. Very, very um, cool. So to know that they like can be like little sweetie pies, that was also great as well. Um, I was. I gotta tell you, I was insulted when they did a straight up King Kong reference. That was so stupid. I was I like, don't know get why they fucking that. focus on telling a fucking compelling story before you go and put nods to King Kong and fucking your Boba Fett show. Yeah, because I didn't idiots. mind the idea that you know he used that as part of the battle. I was like, okay, cool. But yeah, the exact like shot of him on like the tower. I was like. Oh, like why? I didn't understand why it was happening. In the concept art at the end of the episode, like he's, he's actually like holding a, a woman. Yeah. It was like, you can't even pretend that's not what you wanted. That's exactly what you <laughs> yes. were going for. <laughs> that was very, very silly. Um, oh, the, uh, the, oh, okay. So the moment in the finale, the big, the big battle, which doesn't feel big at all. And those townspeople come. I was like, I don't care about these people either. I cared about their one sheriff. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was like, well, he's gone forever. So I that sucks. I really thought he wasn't dead, actually. Like, oh, I mean, well, there was I the wasn't. reveal at the end. And then end, they acted he's... like he was. And I was like, yeah. oh. Because, yeah, in the show, I was like, oh, fuck, he's. No, when it happened, he seemed like he was alive. He got their shot reaction, in the arm. Because they the... were patching him up. Yeah, that was like he got shot in like, the shoulder. Yeah. And then yeah. his deputy got shot about eight trillion times. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's dead. Hilarious, and the point yeah. is that he's dead and yeah. that um, old mate isn't yeah. because he only got shot once in the shoulder. He'll be, he'll be alive. Maybe, yeah, whatever. But then, but then, yeah, they, like, they treat him like he's dead and then we get the no, reveal of the post. They imply that he's absolutely died. I was like, oh, he's oh, dead, okay. dead. That's sad. And but, then um, in the post credit sequence, he's in the back to tank and he's being modded on. I think it's like they like purposely put in this, you know, line or whatever it was to be like, oh no, that guy, he's definitely dead. Just for the purpose of an after credit scene. I was like, even if I thought he was alive, but like injured, that last clip would have been like, oh, okay. So now they're having to save him through mods. That's, hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I was just so, can you tell I'm just. Utterly unimpressed with this show. I've I've got in the same place. Other than like you know the Mando stuff and the Grogu stuff, I've got I don't have that much to say because there isn't that much to talk about because the story is so surface level. That that's ultimately the problem. Is like yes, the Tuscan stuff. I I was I was impressed to some degree of what they did with in theory what they were doing with Boba in terms of getting him out of the Sarlacc pit. You know, he loses his armor. He get, you know, gets raided by Jawas or whatever it was. I can't remember. Um, and then uh, getting found by the Tuscans, like having to survive in the desert, having to earn their trust, having to fight alongside them. I love teaching the exchange them of knowledge. Exchange of knowledge. I was like, the watching bit where them they... like, learn how to ride those like hover bike things, which I'm sure have a cool like name a that bunker, I don't know. Which is everybody's yeah, it, favorite meme at the it, moment. It was great. I loved all that stuff. And when they, like, some of the ritual stuff they were doing, there's some actually, like, even cool Tatooine lore stuff I love. When they put the lizard up his nose and then he has that, like, psychedelic dream and, like, Tatooine's an ocean, he finds a fucking tree and you're like, I've literally never seen a tree on Tatooine. And then he comes back with a branch and you're like, 
that's some like mystical shit. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. is that's a new element. I mean, to that and. Ultimately, it's just leads to him getting that fucking club that he had when we yeah. met him in Mandalorian and using that to beat Cad Bane at the end. Okay, great. Well done. If he had, like, you know, joined the Tusken Raiders and then shown them, like, different types of um, war strategy, battle strategy, all that stuff, to retake some of their land, perhaps even Moss Espa being, like, you know, people need to live together and share resources, mm. that could have been more interesting. But instead, we have this great little story. He... You know, so sad they die. And then he goes off and then we're stuck in that shithole. There's just like, it just builds to nothing for him. It builds to one conversation with Fennec about, I don't want to do this forever because we'll just die one day doing it. And she's like, this is all you know how to do or Mm. whatever. It's so basic. It doesn't build towards anything, any change, any understanding of what Boba Fett has been versus where he's going. And like, apart Mm. what the line at the end, we're not cut out for this or whatever. It's like, are you implying that he won't be a fucking the yeah. daimyo of Mos Espa next time, or we're going to do something different with him in next season? If there is another season, yes. like that's not a that's not an ending, that's not a story, that's not an arc. And then to top it all off, it's like when we are spending time in him being a fucking crime lord. Not only is he terrible at it, and <laughs> he's not so only bad, he's, he's got so, no strategy, none. None. His strategy of with respect means you have no fucking clue what you're doing except don't kill people if you don't have to. I I left the season being like, I think he's an idiot. He is an idiot. He seems like a jock. And I was like, well, that's not impressive. (laughs) Yeah, it was... But I also like there were moments that I found funny, like when he, you know, goes toe to toe with that cool designed guy who's obviously from the animated series. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then that guy's like... I knew you were a killer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, the entire episode has been him killing people. Did everyone, we establish that he wasn't a killer? Everyone knows he's fucking a killer. It's I never... was so confused by that. I was like, is I, this meant to be a big moment? Because it doesn't make sense with what I've just seen. It, it just I, it implies that the whole series is meant to be about him being like, like not wanting to be a killer. And like, yes, he wants to rule with respect or whatever, but there's an awful lot of killing going on all the fucking time in this show. To... It seems kind of necessary in this place yeah it seems kind of necessary it seems like he's been doing it the whole fucking time i'm not really sure what the point of it is and then like yeah you can't get invested in the town whatsoever when he says Mm -hmm. not this town they'll destroy the town we can't let destroy the town i'm going to protect this town what what why what are you talking about i don't know any of these fucking people spice here it's like destroying the people i was like oh i haven't seen that at all the best the best best scene was the one with the Timothy Oliphant, I cannot remember his character's name, and I should because he's a cool character. Sheriff Cooper. But he has that bit where uh, he has the interaction with the guys who are trading through Freetown Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. and, like, has that awesome, like, think about it for a moment. Like, think about it. And he's, like, being super cool and, like, this is well-written and well-performed bit. And, like, they get that sense there's this ongoing tension happening there. But the rest of the time, you don't know. I don't understand what Spice is properly. That's weird too, because Spice has been talked about a lot in Star Wars, and it's mm. just never been a thing that has you could see the effects of it. I yeah. want to see, show me what this is doing to the people. Mm. Show yeah. me what this is doing to Mos Espa. Show me why it needs to be gotten rid of. Show me what you're sacrificing by doing that, by not being a part of the trade. Make the villains, the fucking Pike Syndicate or whatever they are, 
in any way interesting or compelling. And probably the one thing you could have done to really help it is just introduce Cad Bane a fuck ton earlier. Because they suggest there's a history between these two bounty hunters. And maybe there was in the animated series that I didn't watch. And I guarantee you a lot of people who are watching the live action stuff don't and never will. Yeah. Um, if you just introduced him earlier and had some time dedicated to understanding what their relationship, connection, rivalry, whatever it is, is, mm. then by the time we get to the bit where he meets him in the street and he shoots him, or, or they have that fight and he stabs him, whatever, it's going to feel a lot fucking more interesting than what we got. A lot of people feel like, who are fans of Cad Bane, feel yeah. like he went down like an absolute loser, which makes me think, actually, he's probably not dead and he'll probably end up modded like they're doing with... Timothy Oliphant's character and stuff like that anyway. He'll be back in a future season. But I was, like it just feels like it, it it just is so ill-conceived, almost like it was rushed. Yeah. And like, why was more work not put into making this actually something mildly compelling? Yeah, I think like one thing that Star Wars never seems to learn, no matter who's at the helm, is that the way that they write trade is not interesting. Mm. And I'm not saying that, like, stories about, like, politics and trade can't be interesting. Of course they can. But every time I see fucking trade routes come up in a Star Wars storyline, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go again. I don't care. I do not care because you focus so much on the the poli- the politics yeah. and, you know, broad not stroke the politics. Not, not the, the politicians or the strategy, yeah. but the broad stroke politics and the trade routes and not the people that it affects, which makes those stories interesting. Yeah. And that's like that same criticism can absolutely apply to episode one. Um, the Phantom yes. Menace. Like, That's what I'm talking about. Every like, time fucking trade routes come up, I'm like, Oh, the trade route blockade. And we're like, okay, what does that mean? And it means that Padme and her advisors are being held at gunpoint by droids. But I don't know what that means for people who live on Naboo because I never meet any of them. Never met one of them. Not Are there one. people on Naboo? I think they're just the people that live in the palace and that's it. And then somehow they all showed up at the party at the end when they all get to celebrate before the end credits. But apart from that, they were never mm. anywhere to be fucking seen. As far as I know, <laughs> the people of Naboo aren't aware that there's some kind of <laughs> exactly. trade issue. Exactly. They're still they're- going to the market, buying their groceries. Yeah. Um, 100%. 100%. And that is, that's like, I sometimes feel like for some reason, these stories need to come back to that second word in the title of the, of the, um, of the franchise. Mm-hmm. They get the star part, right? It's definitely yeah. set in space. The <laughs> sometimes. war, sometimes, mostly the wars bit. It's like, I don't think you understand what the, what's the compelling bit about war. And it's mm-hmm. like, human suffering, the toll on people that are involved, yes. whether they're fighting in it or whether they're affected by it, you know, on a day-to-day level, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's not the fucking politics. <laughs> it's not. No. It's really not. It's really not. It's and really also, not. like, I feel like you have to be... I'm thinking of, like, succession is a great example of how to make trade and politics really interesting. Because while we don't see the people it affects... They're interesting characters in and of themselves. At no point do they attempt to make these characters interesting. I mean, at all. You're, you're comparing. We do have a cool snail mare. That's cool. <laughs> you're comparing. We're comparing a Star Wars live action series yeah. about a popular action figure mm-hmm. to one of the best comedy slash dramas on TV I think it's right apt. now. <laughs> but I am. But, because I want it to be really good, bro. I, I do. 
But I agree with you. The, the difference there is exactly what you said, though. It's like the characters and the character succession are the focus. Mm. Often the actual, like, the gears that turn behind the scenes or when they're talking about buyouts and, like, mm. um, all that sort of stuff is almost deliberately meant to be so dense you can't understand it because really yes. we know it doesn't because matter. Because you wouldn't, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. It's meant to be like, which which is this dad making daddy happy or sad and or mad? And which kid is going to benefit or get the boot because of it? And like that's that's the point of it. But that's again, yeah. that's what they don't do in fucking Boba Fett. And they would seem to be. Let's talk about Fennec for a second, who's like the second star of this show, Ming Na Wen. Who again, she casts a great silhouette. We love. I like the character on like. And I love image her. level. Like, and I, I love, love her. her. She's such a great actor. Yeah. You know what? She kicks ass. She does cool shit. Sure. Mm-hmm. That goes only so far, though. And there are moments where, like, it did feel like there could be some tension between Boba and Fennec a couple of times when she's like, why are you doing it this way? You shouldn't do that. This is a bad idea. But it never develops into anything that's actually, like, you don't ever feel like there's going to be a split. You don't feel there's like no Fennec tension. is going to... Fennec is not going to have to do something behind his back for the better of the family that proves mm-hmm. that he was wrong and she was right. She just... Yeah. They have a mild discussion. It's so fucking boring. Where is yeah. the tension? Where is the drama? There isn't any. No. It's such a shame. <laughs> it's-, it's a complete waste. <laughs> it really is. And honestly, I've got nothing else to talk about when it comes to Boba Fett beyond that, which is nuts. That's <laughs> really weird. How can a show do that? I now want to talk about for the next 15 to 20 minutes, Mando, Grogu, Luke and Ahsoka. Yes. Let's do it, buddy. Let's do it. Because that stuff was great for the that most part. really good. Yeah, yeah. I we really got enjoyed it. two episodes. So I, I'll talk a bit about my viewing experience first. I watched yeah. the first episode of, of uh, Book of Boba Fett and I was actually kind of enjoying it after the first episode. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Very quickly, I will say. I enjoyed being inside the Sarlacc pit and how Boba escaped. And then when they returned to look for his armor, mm-hmm. I thought that was fun too with the ship and that whole bit where like they used the mine, which is one of my favorite bits of Attack of the Clones to kill mm-hmm. the Sarlacc. I actually yeah. kind of thought that was a pretty cool sequence. That's all I have to say. Um, <laughs> uh, I hadn't been watching it. I stopped watching after the first episode. I just, I don't know. I was avoiding watching TV for the most part because I was having a break. And then I just started to get these whispers that, like, some crazy shit was going down these episodes. Mm -hmm. And then Liam was like, you need to go home and watch these episodes, like, right now. Even if you skip the previous ones, just go watch these ones. It'll be fine. I can tell you what happened up to that point. But I did watch it all the way through in in order. And then they tease it at the end of episode four that we're going to get some Mando. They mention and you hear his little theme music kick in a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, that's pretty exciting. I honestly didn't expect it to just be two fucking episodes of The Mandalorian. <laughs> like, we yeah. got season 2.5. We and did. it was yeah. great. <laughs> but what? <laughs> Look, I, for me, it was, yeah, a welcome reprieve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And it was a stark contrast in terms of my investment level and enjoyment. It wasn't just investment level either. I think... Even on a filmmaking level, particularly episode five, which is the first, which we get reintroduced to the Mandalorian again, mm-hmm. uh, which was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who had oh, directed a couple of episodes, I think, in season one and season two as well, uh, of the Mandalorian. Mm. Um, 
that instantly I knew I was watching a better show. Mm-hmm. Of course, I care more about Din Djarin. And so that opening yeah. sequence where he walks into the butchers and those dog things are there and he has that like, you're coming with me or, you know, I don't care if you're dead or alive. And it's a pretty fucking sick sequence. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's cool. But then afterwards he walks out of that. He's a little bit injured. And then it took me a while to realize but it was a one single shot and it follows him in this place we've never been before. It's not fucking Tatooine. It's like a halo ring city yes. that's totally yes. new. And then he gets on this elevator with this other person who looks at him a bit weirdly. And then he goes up the elevator and goes into this room and hands over the head of this, this guy. Cool, is that the cool nightclub? It's a cool nightclub. You see I was people. like, I, that setting, the whole setting, I was like, oh, where are we? Yeah, I was excited. And then the camera pans around the room as they have this discussion and then it comes back to, to Mando and then he gets back on that elevator and he goes back down to the level he come from. And I was like, this has gone up like a thousand notches in terms of investment and storytelling and quality. Instantly, I was just, I was giddy to be there, which is really upsetting the Book of Boba Fett. Like, was so bad that I was so excited by this, yeah. but it was fantastic. And then that episode, like, going and finding the armorer and having those mm. big discussions about Ooh. Mandalore and about um, the Darksaber and mm. about making the fucking present for Grogu oh out of the, out of the, um, what's it called? Beskar Spear and. Having that fight with the other guy who thinks he's entitled to it because all of that lore was fantastic and like totally added to everything we already knew about the Mando. And then going to Tatooine and meeting up with Amy Sedaris, who is fantastic. Yeah. And then, and I know it's fan service and I I know I don't always love this and this is going to be hypocritical to some degree, but like making this sweet Mando fucking ride out of a Naboo Starfighter was sick as shit. I was like, oh, cool. I know that ship. Uh, but also, it could have literally been any any ship to me. I love okay. the like the building of montage. Yes. I just thought that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you know why? And as soon as you see the little droid thing, you're like, I know who's going to sit there. Yeah, the, the little, yeah, the, 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 yeah. what they did with the astromech pod and they made yeah. it. I was like, well, I was like. Either that's for Grogu or that's mm-hmm. where he put... That's the one thing I can't figure out about this ship is what happens if he actually gets a bounty? Like, where does he stow them now? There's no well, room. I guess he's bringing them in dead. Dead. He's dragging, dragging them behind, <laughs> yeah. towing them It's like a behind. can bouncing <laughs> along when people get married. Bouncing off asteroids. Of yeah. Um, I can't figure that out. I guess Grogu will have to sit on his lap. When oh, he puts old mate, not opposed to that, my friend. <laughs> no. Not opposed to that at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, but like that was super fun. Mm-hmm. And then oh, when like sorry, just when Din Din that sounds so wrong. When Dazza rocks up and first sees Amy Sedaris, and she's like, "Oh, where's your little friend?" Yeah, and she's so heartbroken for him. I just because we've got those connections already built yeah. in, and I was like, "Oh, she knows, and she loves Grogu, who she calls Bright Eyes, and just all that stuff was just making me so happy." Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> it's hard to, to fathom. It's just like instantly, I'm just like where I want to be. Yes, yeah, and again, it sucks for the. the Boba Fett of it all, but, but like, okay, great. I'm really glad I'm getting this as a gift. I thought I was going to wait till the end of the year to get any more of this and you're giving it to me early and that did feel very special. I wish I'd taken a screenshot of us talking about 
what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> just our, our faces. Screenshot of, <laughs> screenshot of us now and the smiles on our faces are just <laughs> I know. ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah. Did you have any thoughts particularly about the episode though otherwise? Well, I simply love um, the Mandalorian lore part of it. Every like mm. little snippet of that religion and culture I get, I'm like, this is fascinating to me. Mm. Um, I love that we got to see that leader woman again, um, the blacksmith woman. The armorer. Yeah, yeah the armorer. She's great. You. Love her. Great voice her as well. Voice, yeah, you, so that's good. the thing. It's like it's like Kate, Kate Blanchett almost when she does the prologue mm-hmm. of the Fellowship of the Ring. It's like that. This is law heavy. You are just exposition. Yeah, but but God, you do it so well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, like at the beginning of Lord of the Rings, and I get goosebumps every single time. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, it's exactly like that. So I love that. I in, the question that she asked him, like you know, have you removed? Your helmet, your helmet. Oh, and yeah. how heartbreaking that would be for him to admit mm. um, that he has broken, you know, this this covenant um, that is very important to him. But he has, you know, somewhat different priorities now because he has fallen in love with a beautiful little baby. Um, yeah, the fight, the this idea that you know anyone anyone can take up the mantle if they're brave enough to fight for it. So mm-hmm. this guy's like, well, I can. That scene like on those platforms is really cool. Really. So I enjoyed all of that stuff. And then 100%. obviously the little the little gift being made. And I was so excited because I thought it was going to be a tiny little man helmet, helmet <laughs> <laughs> with Grogu's ears coming out. I was just like, where is his ears got to go? <laughs> I was really excited about that. But it wasn't. It was like a little little mithril situation. Chain mail. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He made him a little gift and like the the gift when he looks at the gift and it looks like Grogu's like head and he's reminded of it. I was like, this is so sweet. <laughs> All of that stuff was fabulous. And then obviously we get to go off and just to, to see where Mr. Grogu is at school. Yes. So this is very interesting to talk about for me as well, because obviously I had huge issues with the look of it all at the end of season two of Mandalorian. Did you? I remember that. Hilarious. And Thank uh, you. <laughs> we got to laugh, right? Otherwise, the friendship will die. <laughs> and yeah, how he's implemented, really worried about that Luke was going to like become a major part of this story potentially. How much we're going to keep referring back to Luke and will it take over sort of the Mandalorian storyline? But also, and I stand by this, it looked fucking awful. It looked. Bad. Oh, in Mando, it did? Yes. Yeah. Um, You didn't agree at the time. I re-listened to it. You thought it looked fine. It I did s- look fine to me. It really didn't bother me that much because that's what I expect that to look like. I didn't so, realize it could look better and now I know it can. So. I take it back. I apologize. I was wrong, bro. <laughs> the implementation of having Luke back in here and having him training Grogu was exactly what I was saying that time was that like, if Luke had just shown up and taken Grogu rather than having to be the one that saves the day, I would be fine with it. And this is a perfect example. Like this is a natural place for Grogu to go. And it led to a choice that we, I I really always thought was coming where Mm -hmm. it really was building the idea that Grogu is a Mandalorian. At one stage, he's going to leave the, he's not going to stay with Luke. He's going to have to go back to, Dinjarin, you said two seasons. I said two episodes. They beat us both. 
They didn't even do it during the Mandalorian. They did it between seasons. Yeah. That's how no, long they I'll, could keep I'll, those I'll two give, apart. I'll give the two episodes to you. It literally was two. It episodes. was two so episodes, and he's great back. prediction. But you're always good at that stuff. It well, I just it, it, I always felt it was the hardest show, and the way we talk yeah. about it, I think it's self evident. It's like this show, the show, the heart, the core of it is the. The Mando and Grogu stuff. I'm just thinking about the end of like the last episode now, where they're back in the oh spaceship. My oh my and god! And he's like tapping on tap, the fucking tapping so on the fucking window. Oh my god, he's cheeky. He's uh, cheeky. Oh, love it. It's just, uh, there, there is magic there that they really could is. not keep us away from us for too long. It was never going to be as good without it. So I really respect that. But I also mm. like it was a good use of like fan surface seeing Luke be the Yoda. And training a Jedi who's like Yoda and like yeah. exploring that and what Luke's like as a teacher yes. and having to be. Become- I love all of that stuff because you hear about so it, you know, good. from like people talk like, you know, there's this whole life that Luke lives, you know, that people can experience through like books or whatever. Mm. And I have no idea about who that Luke Skywalker is. No idea. And then to be able to see it was really, really cool. And I enjoyed it. The The beginnings of like, building a school. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and yeah, seeing him train Grogu and his little jumps. Oh my, those little jumps and the way his ears bounce, I swear to God, I died. I died at that. It's just like, it's so simple. It's just make this adorable little cheeky monkey and get him to do adorably cheeky things. And I am happy, my friend. Um, <laughs> and the... You know, they're, they're meditating together. Watching Grogu meditate is so cute. And the fr- it gets distracted by the little frogs. Every moment was magic. And I was, I couldn't stop smiling. I could it not was, stop smiling. It was beautiful. It was like the sort of stuff as a fan that you hope to see one day and then do get to see. And to me, it was so much more interesting than like Luke being a badass chopping down um, the the dark troopers or whatever at the end of mm-hmm. season two. Yeah. Because also it felt like it informed the character of Luke and it's starting mm-hmm. to like, I get to understand and, and see a bit of him starting to have to be- His philosophy and how he lives, yeah. How he lives, trying to be a teacher for the first time. He's never had to be a yeah. teacher. He doesn't have a mentor around him to help try and guide him. Ahsoka is the only one and that's not been her bag either. Like they're two, yeah. they're the two remnants of a lost- uh, religion and a lost mm. um, philosophy or whatever, and they are trying to keep it going without have ever ever really been. Well, I think Ahsoka probably more understands it because she grew up in the Jedi Temple and stuff like that mm. on Coruscant. But like, they've never been teachers before, and like, what does that look like? And she's not even really a Jedi anymore. She doesn't want to be a part of that anymore. And yeah. like, it you that's, saw that's really interesting to me. You saw mm. the tension of it, and you could even see how. The event specifically with like giving Grogu the option between um, going back with Mando or becoming a Jedi, trying to be a Jedi, could sort of start Luke down a path where he ends up becoming the Luke that we see in The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. which is, as far as I'm concerned, the best performance Mark Hamill's ever given and the best portrayal of Luke. And I know people don't agree with that. It's very controversial, but but like this is important, fascinating stuff to me. That's mm. a lot more interesting than Luke flies in the fucking X-Wing is a badass because yeah. that's what it, people want to see with a laser yeah. sword. And like, this... I, it felt so much more mm. um, worth my time, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you can see the beginnings of, you know, Luke's 
you know, determination and hope being met with heartbreak consistently mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. that might start mm-hmm. affecting someone. Yeah, no, I, I think all that stuff is, yeah, really fascinating. It makes me kind of heartbroken that we can't have a series about Luke being a teacher and then obviously that would... There's inf- rumours that that's in production, that they're, they're, they're developing a Luke's like Jedi Academy series now, mm. which but, I could yeah, see... Will they, yeah. I could see as a live action series, or maybe I could see that being a really good animated series. You could make it like kind mm-hmm. of a kid's show um, and do it I animated. I I don't like the design of the Clone Wars and stuff. No, I, I, I don't, I'm like not a it. massive fan of it either. But in terms of like, rather than having to de-age Mark yeah. Hamill over and over and over again, as effective <laughs> as it was this time, especially mm. compared to the end of season two of The Mandalorian... Um, it would just be maybe a cheaper option. You can just stylize mm-hmm. yeah. it and still have the effect without ha- and have Mark Hamill do the voice or whatever, especially if you age him up a little bit so he doesn't have to. Because apparently one of the things they did with this one is it's like his voice mixed with or his performance mixed with, as in today's Mark Hamill, mixed with voice recordings from Mark Hamill when he was that age. Mm. And then it's sort of this weird like algorithm thing and some people accused of being a bit robotic. And like overall, I think... I agree there's some nits to pick with the mm. the visuals and the audio, but like it's 95% it's there it's to the point where at times, especially in close-ups, I couldn't believe how good it looked. I was like, this is this is magic. Like this is yeah. as close to I really wasn't distracted at any point, Mm-mm. which was which Mm-mm. was great. Only um, on the rewatch and really looking for things that I start to mm. and that was me just being a joke. Like in the moment, <laughs> it was an incredible experience, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I also, you know, just going back to the the story elements of it. <laughs> oh yeah, simply like, <laughs> you know, Asaka is that her name? Asoka. Asoka, thank you. Who's Asaka? Uh, that's from who? something. That, uh, something. Oh, there's Saka. Saka is from <laughs> just, from the last I'm just Airbender. Combine them. Um, yeah, Ahsoka, You know, having that conversation with Mando, um, which I thought was a beautiful conversation, and you could feel the desperation and the heartbreak in him and then but ultimately making the choice being like oh as a papa bear i got to do what's right for grogu and giving grogu the option to yeah to to make that choice was great and then seeing him arrive in the x-wing amy sadaris picking him up giving him a feed another great moment another great moment more of her please um, Osaka is also apparently a city in Japan. So maybe you'll think that is Osaka, obviously. There's also Osaka. Anyway. Oh, no, well, Naomi, who knows no, how my brain I, works? Naomi Osaka is a tennis player. Whatever. That's probably it, maybe. I don't um, know. Yeah, that stuff was great. And then like the the moment where they're on the like, the whatever that carriage thing is that Amy mm-hmm. Sadaris Scott, and then look what I've got for you. And there's Grogu and like yeah. Din's in the middle of a bay. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and like the little jump hug. And I was just like, fucking oh my God. That Jedi me. jump into his <laughs> arms. I was like, ah, yes. Now I see its purpose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wonderful. And it, it just, it's just always works on me. It just always does. It, mm. it never fails. It's never too hokey. It's never too saccharine or anything. Every single fucking time <laughs> it hits. And then you've got the stuff where he's like, Helping him fight the um, the robot things, mm-hmm. which can I just say also? Mm. Can we maybe move on from the strategy of just shooting the giant fucking robots with shields? <laughs> they kept doing it, 
and it was never having an effect and it just felt like a waste of everybody's time that they were there at all. Just next time, put your guns down and get shot because this yeah. is pointless. Just um, run at that point. I don't know why you turn back to shoot because it doesn't I didn't work. move all that fast either. Just fucking run. Um, but then when, yeah, he was like calming the rancor and stuff and like showing, I think that was the proof was oh in the pudding. God. Another thing we talked about at the end of The Mandalorian season two was like if he comes back or when he comes back, mm. He can't just be put in fucking preschool every time the man needs to go on an adventure. He needs yeah. to be like able to assist. And so there was an interesting yeah. explanation because we're like just like 10 years past. And he's a little bit older. Mm. But then they said it. It's like Luke's like, I'm not really teaching him. He's just kind of remembering. And yeah. so you realize he's actually got a lot of these skills. He just needed to sort of have someone help to bring mm. them out of him. Um, so I just need to refocus on the moment when he's putting the rancor to sleep. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is amazing. Uh-huh. And then... And then he like snuggles up. Oh my god! <laughs> it was so beautiful. Oh my god! So gorgeous. <laughs> I just oh, if I'm on my deathbed, I just want that scene replayed seventy million times, and I'm already in heaven. You know what I mean? Like I just couldn't think of anything cuter than that moment. Oh, and like he's like snuggling in, and then he just shifts a little bit more to get. Oh, it's just too much for me. I really can't stand it. Did is Luke the bad guy for like forcing? Grogu to remember, like his Jedi oh people around him being killed in the Order sixty six. I thought purge. he was like offering to like help him remember. <laughs> I didn't think he would choose the most dramatic day. Like maybe mix it up a bit. Like I oh, remember that time you had a really good breakfast and you watched everyone die. Like it was it was a lot for a little a little bubba. Just these little like in the flashback, the little eyes, and he's just like oh hope, helpless. And he's like we still don't know what happened there. Did the M Fire, like, did the clones take him? Were they ordered to, like, take him as, like, one things? I've got a theory that Anakin might have actually saved him um, mm. as, like, there was that part of him because it's the whole thing of Anakin is, like, there was that little part of him that still remained and maybe, like, he kills all the younglings in the scene that we sort of see in um, Revenge of the Sith and then he's really conflicted about it and then the way he's sort of able to get past is he helps this one little guy get away um, and oh my god! A- if we get a shot of Darth Vader holding Grogu, I don't know. Well, what it would that's be gonna do to it'd me. be Darth Vader when he still looks like Hayden Christensen because that's the version that goes in. And but that yeah, was all part right. of the same. Like, he was on. No, Coruscant I want Darth. <laughs> you want Darth the mask Vader and stuff. just cradling Grogu. Um, that's a theory I have. That's right because I always forget that Grogu is quite old yeah. and he's yeah. In, yeah, it's like fifty or something like that. I don't know, yeah, around that age. Um. But yeah, that stuff was all great. And Grogu and Mando are back together, flying in their fucking spaceship, being the best. Mm-hmm. And yeah, bring on the Mandalorian season the three. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? I've mentioned them all, actually. <laughs> um, all, all my thoughts on this season were pretty much side notes. Uh, a couple of things I did like. I did like the cool lizard centaur thing that Boba was fighting in episode one, if you can mm-hmm. remember. Like, comes out of the ground. It was like six or six legs or whatever it was. Yes, I'd never yeah. seen that before. It felt very Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was a new thing, I really liked that a lot. I, yeah, riding the Rancor was kind of cool. It's really weird. Danny Trejo showing up for one shot <laughs> yeah. of him just being next to... The Rancor, when he arrives. 
Mm. Oh, I did kind of like as well, although they were pointless and didn't need to be there, but the twin huts. Yeah. Like, what, could we have spent more time with them? They I, were, liked, I liked that as well. They I was were like, fun. Oh, cool. I like these people. More huts, but mm. with a bit of a twist on it that made them a little bit even grosser than normal for huts. <laughs> Was... I like seeing like their tails like hugging each other. Yes, they had like, this. Oh, this is a weird incestuous hut situation. What's it going totally on? It totally was. One yeah. hut's tail went in front, one went behind. Yeah. The way they sort of like communicate with each other, it was super Those poor gross. People carrying them. I'm like, this yes. is great. All this yes. stuff is great. That stuff was fun. Um, yeah, but that's the problem. It was those things I'm talking about were never more than cool, which sadly I think is all that Robert Rodriguez is really good at doing, and mm. I just. I don't think he's a great fit for this stuff. Boba no, Fett. If there was going to be someone, I guess Boba Fett was it. But he, it was no, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Um, uh, I said I was already already right about the Mando stuff. Um, something else was cool though. As a fan of Episode One, the bit where Mando gets in his new ship and flies through the fucking podcast track, and it is exactly the podcast racetrack podcast? from Pop. Pod race track. Yeah. The pod I didn't race, notice that. It is shot for shot ah. the same. It was a bit... I'm not even a massive fan of episode one, but I always love the pod race. And like, yeah. it was like, I recognize these shots. This is the... Fu- and they never say it. They never say it's like Beggar's Canyon or that it's the old pod race track or anything mm. like that. It's like, you either know it or you don't. And it was pretty cool. I like. I especially liked it because it didn't have to draw attention to it audibly. It just was like there if you cared. Um, also, and this you won't know anything about this, mm-hmm. but there was also a very nice little surprise in episode five when Mando goes to visit um, Amy Sedaris's character and she's talking to a droid that you've probably never seen before. Mm. Um, the one that was like being chased by the Womp Rat thing. Oh, yeah. And it's just to save. That's a BD unit. Um, mm-hmm. There was a game that came out a couple of years back called Jedi Fallen Order, which was an excellent game. And it was you. You were this Jedi named Cal who like escaped from Order 66, like all the Jedis that, you know, make it. <laughs> they to, all did. They mm-hmm. all did, most of them, it seems like. And he had this droid, this little droid that sat on his shoulder throughout the game and like did certain things called BD-1. And it was fucking cool. It was a completely new design that was designed for the game and we'd never seen it in outside the games before. And this is the first like BD unit ah, in like on fun. film, I guess. Um, so it's cool to see BD units are now like canon now. So we had a discussion about possibly changing favourite and least favourite episode because we find that a bit redundant sometimes mm. or it just ends up being the first episode or the last episode or whatever. Um, if we can't do that, we're going to talk about our favourite moments or favourite storylines or, so- or favourite character or something like that. So, uh, our favourite thing, sort of, or our least mm-hmm. favourite thing. Now, I actually prepared for the favourite episode, least favourite episode thing, so that's mine today. Yeah. Um, what was your least favourite aspect of the Book of Boba Fett, Damask? My least favourite? Least favourite. We'll start there. Least favourite moment. I mean, it's everything. <laughs> everything, no. Everything. Um, Anytime Boba Fett was on screen, all the story revolved around him. I mean, almost, <laughs> yes. Um, it was, it, it's got to be the last like the big battle scene. Sure. It just fell so flat to me. Um, and that's like embedded in, you know, a lot of the other episodes just because they couldn't establish um, that town as being important. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the 
the fight, the um, when the 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 mod girl gets up on top of the roof with one of the Freetown girls and they're like, I'll distract them. Okay, cool. But they're literally shooting from the it's same so spot and it makes dumb. no sense. It made me furious. I was like, you haven't even thought Go about over this. there. Go over yes. there so you can draw attention. Like, how can you distract them from the same position? It's it was so, so stupid. Dumb. Yeah. I really did not like that. That's a really all. good one. I mean, as my least favorite episode, it was episode seven in the name of honor. It could have been episode three, which was kind of blech as well, I thought. But yeah. I wanted to use this one as my least favorite because it exemplified the biggest problem with the show. Uh, at least, because at least episode three was centered on Boba Fett. Seven, sh- like the finale, should have been about Boba's arc coming to a close. Instead, him and Fennec both disappear for big chunks chunks of the episode which gives a heap of screen time to Mando and Grogu, which is great. But like, mm-hmm. why? It's the finale. It's about, it's the book of Boba Fett. Why are we not, why is he disappearing to go and get a Rancor to make room for these other characters to take over? It's so ill-conceived. What's Agreed. your favorite moment, aspect, character, whatever of the book of Boba um, Fett? I've got two. Mm. So, I mean, I have a lot and they're all Grogu-focused. I don't think that's going to be a shock to anyone. Um, the f- one moment was simply Luke and Grogu meditating and mm-hmm. Grogu being distracted by Frog. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is what I want out of this show. Thank you so much. The next is um, when Mando, he's just knowing that he's got that little ball on him at yeah. all times. Yeah. was so beautiful and heartbreaking and for him to hand it over in the middle of this huge battle. It was a that, weird time to do it. That I didn't care yeah. about, but I was like, oh, baby's home. Baby's home. It was just beautiful. And then, so he gives him the little thing and then as he walks away, he like just gently holds his hand, like Mando holds Grogu's little hand. I didn't even notice that. I'm it's, gonna get back it's and watch so that. cute. Um, yeah, so that, that moment was pretty special to me. Yeah, it's yeah. It, again. It's just magic. I could cry like stuff. hysterically Le- right now. <laughs> legitimately, it's that fucking good. Yeah. Um, my favorite episode was Chapter Five: Return of the Mandalorian. As I we talked about why that was so great, all the lore stuff with the Mandalorians, mm-hmm. building the ship, all that sort of stuff. But also, I just think particularly because it was the best directed episode. I think Bryce Dallas Howard really, really suits this world mm-hmm. and i kind of hope that she can maybe if, if directing something she want to do they can give her a movie or give her a series of her own or something like that i think yeah she's really oh, proven herself that. to be fucking great at it mm-hmm. maybe give her like a bunch of ahsoka episodes or something like that to do i don't know but she's killing it now i think i actually from memory didn't love her episode in season one but season two was really good and yeah they gave her the the most important episode potentially of the yeah. season and she fucking yeah, she's really starting to like stretch her legs in it and like, yeah, yeah. find her own space. It's great. Just instantly, instantly I knew it was in like the show, the language, the filmmaking language of the episode, I knew it was, mm. I was in a better hands and a better show. It was excellent. Predictions, hopes and concerns, not just for the Book of Boba Fett season two, if there was one to come, but, you know, the Mandalorian, I guess, mm-hmm. since Star Wars in general, since they don't want to separate these things anymore. At this point in time i have no concerns in terms of the future of the mandalorian i think the dynamic that's built into it is so solid um i feel pretty 
confident I'm going to enjoy what's to come. You never know though. Um, stuff might happen, but at this point I have no concerns. Um, with Oberfett, I really don't need another season. I mean, they like they. There's just nothing for me to hold on to or like be like, oh, I wonder if he'll do this or this or this because I still don't know who he is. So I just don't care. So I guess my hope is that we don't have another season. <laughs> um, I, I'd i be surprised if we get a season two, mm. but who knows? It probably did gangbusters numbers and they're going to yeah. make a season two. There's that weird bit of me that like hope springs eternal that like maybe this time they'll do something with Boba Fett, but just like every opportunity suggested that's not the case. They never do it. So why yeah. would it happen this time? Um, my concern is are all these future Star Wars series going to look the same? Are they going to feel the same? Are they going to keep doing this thing where they just keep crossing other characters in and out of the series not being able to focus on a single storyline or a single series of characters and it's just be kind of come this like really like maybe maybe if that's what you want to do, just make a like a series, like a post-Empire series and do it kind of Game of Thrones style and cross-cut between these different character groups rather than, I don't know, sabotaging other people's storylines because you want to have this character feature in it for a period of time. I don't know. The The world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It's I don't understand why it's not getting bigger. It should get bigger when we do this stuff, not well, like, smaller. I mean, me we nuts. also have to think that like a lot of what they're saying is coming out are established characters. That's clearly like yeah. what they want to do is to focus in on the people we know and not really expanding that universe. Um, Mary Mary Elizabeth Winstead was just cast recently in the Ahsoka series and no Mm. one knows what character she's playing, but Mm. everyone's convinced it's one of like four different characters from the Clone Wars or whatever. And they're probably right. And you know what? For Ahsoka, that might make sense. But like, can we introduce some new characters too? Can we Mm. expand this world, not keep contracting on it? I'm, and the other one was- I want to see more planets. That was the next thing I was going to say. Can we please get off Tatooine? Except- the next show we're going to be watching is the Obi-Wan series, which high chance that's exclusively yep. on Tatooine that's, again. That's where it'll be. Like, you know, Tatooine and what is it? Coruscant and stuff. Well, like, I just I, don't need more of that. Like, mm. I, I just want to see. And that's, I guess, a hope for the Mando stuff is that we're really going to ex- be exploring a whole different range of, of places. Um, yeah. They did sort of set up the idea that Mando, and I would guess because they don't leave these these things dangling for too long, probably Mm. by the end of the next season is going to try and like get back in with the Mandalorian cult that he's a part of. Yeah. By going to the caves under Mandalore or whatever that's meant to be. I'm excited about that. Yeah. And it was, I've not watched stuff that has been on Mandalore. I know that's happened um, in the Clone Wars in particular, Mm -hmm. I think, or Rebels, whatever it was. Um, but I've not, I'm not privy to that. It's also going to be a post the destruction of Mandalore. So even if you are familiar with it, it's going to be very different. So that is mm-hmm. exciting. I think we'll get there by the end of next season. Um, I think we'll probably see more of Bo-Katan, um, and all that stuff that's going on. Yeah, I like Bo-Katan. I like Sorry Bo-Katan too, but again, yeah. world shrinking. Um, mm-hmm. I, again, yeah, I agree with you. More worlds, different places, um, 
I hope they can do that in Obi-Wan as well. I, I think we just assume he doesn't leave Tatooine because he's watching over Luke. But maybe something calls him to maybe even visit Yoda on Dagobah. He does mm. know that he's there. Um, and he probably does know that even from the end of episode three. But like maybe he goes to visit Yoda on Dagobah. Oh, and maybe he um, yeah, goes to other planets and to do a mission of some sort. And like, please, please, Star Wars... It should be a big place with lots of cool stuff going on. There's your opportunity to expand. Fucking do mm. it. That'll do. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis. B G O R D E S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss, and just like that, season one, likely with Paul Mitzi as a guest. Cannot wait for this. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.